pleasure to introduce everybody. We've got my buddy, Richard Rich, and we've also got a very special guest known by Podcast Juice listeners as Day Droppin', Mr. Ernie Wiles, as you can. We're in the big time now, I guess. It feels like a, a celebrity's on the show. So as far as the remaster goes, I've listened to it three times over the last day or so in preparation for the podcast, and I didn't really hear anything really unique or really anything that, that popped out over everything else. I would mm-hmm. just say, in general, for me, the remaster sounded a little bit uh, brighter and a little bit sharper, I guess, in general. Uh, but other than, other than, you know, those general comments, I think the remaster is good, but I don't think it offers anything really groundbreaking or really new to the table. I mean, it sounds good. The real thrust of the discussion tonight should be uh, obviously disc two because that's what most people are discussing and and raving about. And for the most part, reaction has been pretty positive, except for if you're an audiophile, of course, you're going to have issues with uh, inconsistency with, you know, the sound you know, from track to track, and and there have been some questions about audio sources. Mm-hmm. Did they get the tracks from, you know, master tapes, or did they get them from personal copies from engineers? Or, you know, there have been all kinds of theories thrown out there. But um, I don't know. For me, the sound quality, the varying sound quality, doesn't matter as much as actually having these tracks finally released in an official form and, you know, being able to hear them on an official release. I mean, I don't know, uh, Richard, what do you think? Any more thoughts on that? I mean, what do you think as far as the sound quality? Does it really matter that much to you or... Not really. I mean, <clears throat> of course, I would love to have you know pristine copies of everything. That's the that's the dream to have pristine everything in the vault. But uh, right, I you know I for twenty years I listened to a cassette tape of the of the Black album that is almost unlistenable, and I loved it right. when I listened to it. You know, so it, even right. when I got it cleaned up, I, of course I switched off to that one. But you know, it right right just, just having it is great. Well, you really gotta gotta put things into perspective and say, look, this is the best available yeah. uh, copy right now, you know? right? And just and take take that kind of mindset going into this. Otherwise, uh, I right. mean, you're, you're gonna trying to find fault. You're gonna find it if you're looking for it. But I mean, you gotta look at it again. Hey, this is the best available copy version of this that I can get at this point. Is it maybe from the master reels? We don't know. And and if it was from the master reels, who's to say it's going to sound any better? We don't know. But what was been presented, right. Right. this is the best that we're going to get at this point. You know, right? Prince is Prince is famous for also like making his music and then chucking it in the vault, and they just laid in there and degraded, you know, over the years. So this might this might literally be the final, the best copy we're ever going to get because you right. know, it may have degraded over the years, and this is it. 
Yeah, and that's right. what I'm getting at. You don't know what we don't know what the yeah. best quality version is, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if we ever will. But I right. like, <laughs> so either 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 take it or or just grumble on about it. You know. Yeah, get on get on Facebook and whine about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, again, like I said about the Black Album, I had a cassette tape that I got in probably 80, 1988 maybe, and it had a selection of bootleg songs on it. And it and it had a song on there that was labeled as um, Welcome to the Rat Race. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, I, and, and, that, and seriously, that was my jam for 10 years. I mean, I played it over and over again. And I kid you not, I could not understand a single lyric. I just I would listen to it and go like that sounds like I know, and it, you know years later once I got on the internet I found out that that's the song the ball, and it was incorrectly labeled uh, Welcome to the Rat Race, but I couldn't even hear oh. I couldn't hear a single word and I loved it I just played it over and over again, so hmm. you know regardless of what the quality of these songs are I'm gonna play these over and over again. Oh yeah. Yep. We got another guest, uh, Seth Everett, about to call in. So he should be calling in any second here. And I think we all know Seth. He's a great Prince fan, did those spree casts for a number of years. He should be able to provide some valuable insight. He'll pretty much be the de facto co-host. My normal co-host, Vincent Mastronardi, had some technical difficulties, so Seth was able to step in and pretty much save my bacon. Are you there, Seth? <laughs> I'm here, man. How are you, buddy? I'm I'm good. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Thanks for inviting me. I, I, I... Yeah, and thanks for uh, thanks for being able to do this uh, pretty much last minute. Uh, yeah, short notice. <laughs> you just caught me. I recorded three podcasts today, so why not four? Oh wow! <laughs> four, four times the charm, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, it kind of feels like a, a hit-and-run uh, style podcast right now. But, uh, yeah, that's yeah, um, people People uh, people listen when they want. It's, it's, it's much different. I think, I think podcasting is the future of the spoken word. I, I, I've always been a big believer in it. You know, I think webcasting, you know, Periscope and what we did on Spreecast and things like that, there's a place for that. But I think that, you know, as far as commuters and people who drive and take trains and such, I think podcasts are the way to go. Right, right. But anyway, no, what you were saying about Purple Rain Deluxe, I, you know, I'm happy that uh, fans that have been wanting it have it. Um, the thing, The reason why I think there's so much criticism is because nobody really knows who put it together. And I think the thing that's not being understood about this, and I think they could help themselves a lot, is to do some kind of an introduction. You know, YouTube exists, podcasts exist. Do a little bit of promotion for it, and don't pretend to have this air of mystery. The thing that I'm noticing, and I, I hear it from stuff I see from the family on Twitter and from Londell McMillan and from people affiliated with him, they all want to have that that drama, that, 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 that purple smoke that Prince used to have. And Prince right, would come exactly. out with something 
We didn't know where it came from. We don't understand why he did the Rainbow Children. We didn't understand why Hit and Run came out. We don't understand Plectrum Electrum. But we wanted to know more, and all we did was crave it. But when it's some, you know, mystery, you know, it, it's not the Wizard of Oz. It's the little guy behind. And no one oh, really knows right. who's pushing these buttons. So people are like, right. why, why did you put that song there? Why is, why is uh, 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 Our Destiny and Roadhouse Garden one track? I don't, I don't understand that. That's not to say that there right. isn't an answer to that question, but we don't even know who to ask. Right, right, right. There is some mystery there. Uh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely give you that. And, and the fact that, the fact that, like you said, they're trying to emulate the purple mystique, you know, that Prince had is, is, uh, is really kind of funny because nobody could do that except Prince, but like, like we were saying earlier, Seth, before you joined us, you know, no one really knows. The fact is, no one really knows if these tracks really do exist in better quality, and if we're gonna, and if this is the best quality of the tracks that we're ever gonna get or anything, and nobody really knows. And yeah, I think that's where you speak to the the frustration of, you know, not not getting info from, you know, proper sources about, you know, where where this stuff comes from and and why it is the way it is and yeah, I definitely think I definitely think that's a concern. So I that's mean, a I mean, that's this a valid one, point. This one, you know, I I'll admit, I heard it in my car. I had my kids in the car so I didn't play it so loud and, you know, I I didn't notice anything. I mean, it's not, it's not bad. It's, it's still a classic, iconic album, but I didn't notice right. anything. Right. And, and I, I made this point on another show, and I, I'll get your guys' thought, because I'll just throw it out there. I know there's a lot of people who criticize 1999, The New Master, but he tried. Right. I, I love the album. Right. I thought that was a remarkable thing that he did that year, and I just thought, wow. He, I, he remember, I remember he did an interview and he said that he was going to do his whole catalog like that. And I said, well, that would be cool. I might not like songs. There might be songs I like better. This this is not that. You know, 1999, The New Master, when it came out, there was a freshness to it. And, again, some people really don't like it. Some people do. But you can compare it to the original product. In Purple Rain Deluxe, in disc one, what are you comparing it to? It's it's louder. That's all it is. And to me, it's... I, I, that, that's not to say I don't like the music. That's to say I don't understand what the point was. Yeah, I mean, uh, even even Prince, you know, he said in that, that interview, what was it with Ebony? I think it was, where it's the remaster is the same album, just better sound. So I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I agree. I mean I heard. Nothing different besides the fact of it being a little louder and a little brighter. Um, but maybe, maybe the brighter was, you know, my, my hope coming through that something was different about it. But, uh, yeah, and it's still, like you say, it's still an iconic album, but yeah, the remaster really, really, uh, did nothing, you know, super spectacular to add to the, the greatness of, you know, the 
original product that was already there in the album. And, but, and this so that's new, why we're maybe going to focus yeah. on just two tonight, uh, from the vault and unreleased. And should we just get right into it? I mean, track number one, the dance electric. Of course, we all know this is Andre Simone uh, song. Prince gave it to Andre, and as somebody on Prince.org pointed out, uh, they said, man, he really must have loved Andre to give him such a great tune. I mean, this groove is, is sick in this song, but uh, I'll let Richard start this one out. Richard, what do you think of Dance Electric. <clears throat> well, that has always been one of my favorite songs um, by anyone on the planet, really. Um, I'm glad to finally have it on, on a disc in my collection, but it, it might be it might be one of the least liked in this collection because it, it it's missing the guitar. Yes, which which is supposed to run throughout this. It's even if you put headphones on, it even sounds like it's kind of there. But I don't know, I don't know how it got lost in the mix. But it's that that little extra something that that guitar put in the song is just missing now. It just seems kind of empty. Yeah, that's my one main point as well with the song. I mean, it's a great song, sick groove. You know, uh, some people might argue that it goes on for a little too long without, you know, really doing much or going anywhere. But uh, that groove is just sick. But the the guitar and also Wendy and Lisa's backing vocals as well are not present in this release version. And I think I think the guitar just elevates it even more, you know, to that next level. But that's my only complaint with the track and and like you say, I'm I'm happy to have it finally officially released on disc. Uh, Ernie, what are your thoughts? The dance electric. I guess uh, what I first want to ask here is, um, have you guys heard Podcast Juice's review on this? Have either you guys, any of you guys heard this? No, not yet. No, okay. So I'm going to try no, to. But, no, but well, don't don't spoil it because I have a I have a train ride tomorrow, and that's the first thing I'm listening to. So. I'm joking. <laughs> well, I'm going to try to do a little bit different on that. I, I, I you know, I got to give my score on it, so I'm still going to do that. So I'm going to be giving my scores on these tracks. So that's just all right. That's just what I, that's what I do. So I got to give the scores on this. So right. it gives me a chance to clear up one of the scores that I gave on there. Not that it was incorrect. I just want to give more clarification on a track coming up, but. For Dance Electric, I agree with what you guys are saying. That it requires more guitar, and I'm really missing the fact that the guitar is there. And, um, I mean, this, this, this whole CD lends itself to the world of bootlegs. So uh, I'm going to equate this song here to, uh, am I thinking about it now, even though it's lacking the guitar. Um, let me talk about a song like Big Tall Wall, for those who know bootlegs. I don't sure. really care much for that song, and the reason why I don't is because I really can't hear it very well. I've gotten more appreciation over it because there's been clear booths that have come out, but 
I still can't really grasp it that well. And see, that's what really kind of helped me out on a track like this. Before, yes, it, it, this track is missing the, the guitar. That's hard to excuse. And yes, it is faintly there if you listen closely. It's in the mix, but it's so, like, it's been intentionally dropped off that there's just kind of a little bit of bleed through on it. If you listen closely, you can sometimes pick it up. But see, this track here before was not nearly as good sound quality as what's presented here so i'm able to have a greater appreciation for it now and um and that's where the majority of the scoring comes in and that it, it does go on for a long time in a lot of people's view but for me it did before because i really couldn't hear it that well so it gets monotonous when you can't hear it you know when, when it's kind of vague and and you're just kind of listening to to sound rather than the music and the composition i'm real good right. on that and when I can't hear that, it gets boring for me. And this right. this track was boring for me before, but now that I can hear it well, it's not boring for me. I like it. it I, I wouldn't mind if it went on even another ten minutes. I'd be okay with it. But <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's cool. Um, I, although I do prefer there being more guitar, like in the previous boots that we had heard. Uh, but my score on this one, um, you know, it. And this is really because I've heard it so much before. Uh, nostalgia plays into roles on, on another track later on, but right now, this one, uh, I've heard it all before, and I'm hearing so something clearer, but a little bit less in the lack of guitar, so I give this one a score of 7 out of 10. Okay. Yeah, I think that's totally justified. 7 out of 10 is good. And Seth, what are your thoughts on this track? Well, I've never really uh, reviewed a track. Um, that would be something that I, I, I leave to the professionals. But, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this, um, and it really applies to the whole album. It's why I want to know the sources. You know, um, I, I'll equate Dance Electric to Moonbeam Levels. You know, Moonbeam Levels is a fantastic song. And I would say it's one of my top five Prince songs of all time. Mm -hmm. When Forever came out... I didn't hear anything any different. I was just like, I was waiting for something. Neither did I. What, what, what made it an official release? So here's the dance electric, and I guess it applies to electric intercourse also. Why is this the definitive version? And where did it come from? And even if it's liner notes, because the liner notes, if you read them, they talk about the original construction of the album, but not these tracks. And for example... Why? Why? For, for example, if I know the story that says, you know, it was Andre's idea to add the guitar, or, you know, Prince played this live so many times because he fell in love with the song after this was recorded, or something, I, I, I don't know, I, I would listen to it very differently, and I think that that's part of the untold story that, that is hard. I have a hard time criticizing the sound quality of disc two, because you have no idea where it came from. And it, exactly. for all you know, you know, somebody at Warner Brothers was like, I was on Greenwich Village back in the 80s, and I found this on the street. And you don't know where they got it from. And you don't even know if this came from Prince's vault. So this argument that, you know, the dance electric is, is it's a great song, but it was a great song before this. And I don't know that this, this track changed your mind on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting, definitely interesting to think about. So we 
we all agree we like the song, but then again, you know, the sources come into question. But I, I side with Ernie on this. I mean, I mean to hear it finally clearer does factor as a positive for me, even though that guitar is missing. But wouldn't you say Andre's I, version is clearer? Well, it probably is, yeah, because it was officially it was officially mastered for release. But I don't know. I'm I'm giving WB the benefit of the doubt on a lot of this because for me, I'm just happy. I'm just happy it exists at all. I'm happy we're getting a Prince release because I told Richard earlier. I'm like, man, you know, given the the state of affairs with the estate right now, I I honestly dread that it's going to be years before we see anything else Prince-related released. And I hope I'm proven wrong, but just the, the uh, you know, the way the estate is, is going right now and, and the mess it is, uh, and, you know, the, the issue of, you know, rights with, with artists that he collaborated with, um, you know, the estate having to iron all that out. Um, I don't know if there's going to be, uh, many Prince releases at all for, for several years, at least. So, I'm looking at this Purple Rain release going, thank you WB for, for something. Even though it it's it's not perfect, but it's it's nice to have, and and that's the way I'm looking at it. But one last thing about Dance Electric, real quick. Okay. Uh, as I said earlier, that is literally one of my favorite songs of all time. And while I'm ecstatic to finally have it in an official capacity and have it as clear as it is, this song on the entire album is the one that frustrates me the most because. It's it's incomplete because right. a, a key factor, which is that guitar solo, uh, you know, that we were talking about, it's not there. So there's no way this can be the definitive version because it's incomplete. Right. When you when you, right. when you slap it on a CD that says remaster on the cover and it's and you know you sell it that way, people go, well, this is the definitive version. Like I believe uh, Daydropping said, I think uh, about it being mm-hmm. a definitive version or something. It's like there's it, it, there's no way it can be because it's incomplete, right? So as, as much as I love the song, if I'm if I'm going by the numbers that that Day Dropping was going by, I'd have to give it something akin to a five because I'm expecting more of it because I love that song so much. Right? Because wow. you're reviewing you're reviewing the track and Chris is is reviewing the song. That, that that's why I'm not I'm not saying it's not a good thing to review songs, but. If you're, you know, if, if this is coming out and, you know, if Prince released a, a live version of, you know, something or, or if you decided to do a review of, of, of Montreux 09, you're not going to sit there and start talking about, I love you, I don't trust you anymore. You're not going to start talking about that thing. I love the instrumentation. Like, you've heard that song before. Well, you're hearing, you're hearing well, Dance something. Electric. This is a song you saw him perform dozens of yes. times. You well, want this, this track to be as good as that. If this was the first time right. I ever heard Dance Electric, then I would be like, this is a 10, this is off the scale. But because I have that reference of the other versions that I've heard of it, right. it, it it's it's a big letdown. 
Right. I completely understand. I completely understand. Track two, Love and Sex. This was a huge surprise to me because even being a bootleg aficionado since 2005, um, I hadn't heard of this song and I hadn't heard any version of it on a bootleg. So this was brand new to me and I loved it. I mean, it's got manic energy, straight up pure revolution gospel funk and, uh, a crazy beginning with the with the Broadway style, you know, one sustained note intro. It kicks off this really quirky song. I don't know. I really dig it, but I'll leave it at that. Ernie, what are your thoughts on Love and Sex? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd heard of the track, but this was one of those songs that was always regulated to the upper echelon of collectors. Um, who, you know, you're never going <laughs> to the hear these echelon. from. The upper echelon yeah. of collectors, that is a great line. Well, <laughs> unfortunately it exists, you know. But, That's a great you line. Are you with me? Do you get to, like, prick your finger and get a ring? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> upper you know, echelon of collectors. Collector, collector, collector. I'm telling you, man. But, and, 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 you know... They they're the only ones that had this because you know it it had been mentioned here and there but I had no idea what I was getting into when I was going to hear this. Um, this is what I what I consider a grower, the, a track like this. Um, some people might like it from the get, but I could see a lot of people not knowing what to think of it when they first hear this. You know, kind of almost like what is this? You know, and, and maybe even skipping it, which would be a travesty because again, this is a grower. Even when I first heard it, I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to hear this all through because that's what I'm going to do. And when it was all done, I'm okay, I'm going to have to come back and hear this one again later. And as I've heard it more times, I really appreciate what's going on here, man. I mean, this this is some excited Prince singing in this one. You know, you don't get too many tracks where he's basically yelling the whole song. And, yeah. um, and I think it's awesome the way he does that. And, and it's funky in the in the synth licks that are in it to me and i said this in in uh, the other podcast th- uh, an arrangement like this if anything gave you proof that that prince was the mastermind behind the time when you hear an arrangement like this coming in you're like oh, i can i can imagine more oh. this and this going yeah. nuts that way but no only prince is going to do this and yell it all the way through because that's prince you know and the the chorus is awesome you know you pay attention to the lyrics on it it's a sexy tune, but it's it's almost silly, you know. It's it's it's, it's some it's you know to to coin the term that we use on the thing. It's, it's some sap, some sap, some silly ass pranks going up in this. You know, <laughs> that's what you got going on here. Um, there's one thing. It's a, it's a shame that this was never officially released way back when, because then you would have been able to most definitely have heard this live. Imagine that. Imagine this track being played live with the revolution and Prince yes. point into James Brown mode on this. And Whoa. oh my God. That was just nuts. It would have blown things up. You know? Well, um Right, exactly. But it raises the other question about about where it came from because if this is a song that he gave to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers held on to it for all these years, 
doesn't that tell you a different story than if that was in his vault or that was something that you know one of his family members found or or, or something like, like right. that? That's what I mean. Like, why was this not a B side? Why, oh, why yeah. when you heard it, was it not a B side for some of the around the world in a day tracks that that used Purple Rain, you know, songs, you know, fr- from that? Where where was the direction on that? Or was it really a song that he did and then threw away? And why does he throw it away? You guys ever watch a DVD commentary where you oh, know, yeah. they talk about the deleted scenes and they always say in the deleted, well, we had to cut this for time or, you know, this didn't really advance the plot. You know, there's always a story behind it and it makes you like the season. So when I heard this song, all I wanted to know was, where did this come from? Why did we never hear this song before? Right. Why was the fact that what was going on when he recorded it? What was the influence right. behind it? What was he recording? Well, we know what he was recording around this. He was recording When Dub's Crying. He went from When Dub's Crying to this. Two days later, you know, right. he did this first. Then two days later, uh, he did When Dub's Crying. I mean, how do, how do you flip gears that way? And, I mean, you, you do it by first, you know, being Prince, you know. But, I mean, right. he, he did it in... And, and, uh, but I would love to know the history behind this. I'm with you on that. I think they really dropped the ball. And you know what? Thinking about it, um, and, and, you know, we're going to be going into this over and over again, right? But it does make you wonder, in terms of the whole collection here, how how likely is it that CD2 was considered from the get-go? Because it's, first of all, it's remastered by somebody completely different. And secondly, there are Wait. no liner for it. What do you mean from the get-go? When when he made the original deal with Warner's? No way. Right. Right. There's no way. There's it, no way. There was no way we can. We, there's no way we can fuck was on a list that Prince had anything to do with. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and see, if not that, then you have the fact that again, it's a totally, completely different person that re, that apparently quote remastered this, and then there are no liner notes with it. So it really seems very much like an afterthought. But, hey, that's what we got. One thing that I found very interesting on this track is when you listen to it, especially towards the end, when you're hearing um, the chorus repeated over and over and again, and you're like, oh, look at Wendy and Lisa going crazy in the in the background. That's not them. That's not Wendy and Lisa on this. You listen to yeah, Just ask Jill Jones. She'll tell you. I'm surprised she's not on this podcast. You have her, uh, no, you have, that's actually, that, that would be layered Prince vocals on it in falsetto. Uh, okay. But you listen closely on it, it that's, that's what you got. And it's a trip because I, I, it fooled me. And normally I don't get fooled by a falsetto that way, but I, I'm all, man, that Wendy and Lisa, they're, they're doing pretty good. And nope, <laughs> that's our boy right there. Wow. We multiplayer. Uh, yeah. Beautiful stuff, man. This one here, let me just get to my to my uh, scoring on this one here. Um, this was new to me. It was fresh, and it. I love grower tracks. I love tracks that start off as, mm, I don't know, and then later on you're just loving it. I love things like that because it allows for you as a listener to grow. And, man, what greater gift. So a song like this deserves high praise. I give this one a 9 out of 10. Great track. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, very, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. The only difference between you and I, Ernie, is that I love this track from the get-go, but maybe I'm just a sucker for silly-ass Prince. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love this track from, from the get-go. You know, as soon as it started, I was like, 
you know, oh boy, here we go. So, uh, I mean, I just love the, the energy of the track and the shalala boom and all that, you know, it kind of harkens back to, uh, let's pretend we're married with the ooey shasha cuckoo and uh, all that yeah. and the same type of vibe and I, I really love the track and yeah, I would definitely give it a 9 out of 10. And, uh, if I was scoring, which I'm not officially, but, uh, <laughs> if I was, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, Richard, what do you think of this track, Love and Sex? It is a extremely fun track. Um, I, I apparently am not in that upper echelon because I had never heard of it either. Uh, so, so when I put the CD in, that was the first song I went to. I went to the songs that I'd never heard before. And I put it on, and I listened to it, tapping my foot, you know. And as soon as it was over, I hit pause, and I said, what the hell did I just hear? And I had to go back and listen to it again. And then I yep. listened to it again, and I was like, okay, I'm in it now. I got it. First time, though, it was a cacophony. It was, it was a lot to take in. There was a lot going on in that song. Yeah, I mean, there really is. The the fact that he yells through the whole thing, the fact that half the chorus is not even real words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that That's going to be one that's going to be on repeat for me for a while now because, you know, as Daydropping said, it's, it's a grower. And every time I listen to it, I'm a little more in. But awesome. uh, with with some of the other tracks on the album, this one's a huge disappointment to me because it's it's real it's real muddy. You know, everything is kind of like on the same level. It's hard to hear the words sometimes because the music's so loud, and then the music kind of drops out, and it's mixed really bad. It's probably the worst thing on all three CDs as far as mixing goes. Huh. Well, I hate to tell you this. You're going to have to hear it a whole bunch more times then. Oh, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, so that's Love and Sex. And now we're up to my favorite outtake of all time, uh, unabashedly, I will admit that. Uh, Computer Blue, the hallway speech version, and I'll just start out with this one. That's your favorite of all time? Yeah, my favorite, my favorite outtake of all time. My favorite outtake yeah. that I know exists so far is Computer Blue, the hallway speech version. And, uh, I can't really say enough about this, but, uh, I'll try and keep it brief. This is basically the complete version of the song as it was conceived, uh, for the album. Prior to Take Me With You being added to the track list, and once Take Me With You was added, Computer Blue was edited down to the the album version we all know and also love. But this actually has extra verses, and then it also has the infamous hallway speech, which uh, to my mind is, is classic Prince mysterious and and sexy and and confusing all wrapped into one anytime he speaks on a track 
I basically am riveted, so this is no exception. And then, of course, we got the, uh, in the end, we have the extra couple minutes of wailing, screeching, screaming guitar, which uh, I never quite understood why they would leave that much of it on the end of the track. It's interesting to listen to. It's it's captivating. It sort of encapsulates the the frustration and the the manic sexual energy of the the song in those screaming guitars. So I really enjoyed listening to those. Yeah, I mean I love the extra verses. I love the breakdown. Na 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 na. I love you know all of it. I mean it's just a a tremendous song and and somebody on on Twitter a couple days ago actually uh and this is a this is a woman whose opinions I I respect and and she's a very knowledgeable Prince fan but she actually said that the uh extended version of Computer Blue wasn't needed and she actually said in her words the extra portions suffocated the song and I was like oh man you're you're killing me over here because <laughs> I think you know this is actually the original form of the song as I said and and it's how it was meant to be and by saying that all the extra stuff is suffocating the song I mean that's them spiteful words to me but I don't know Seth, what do you think of this outtake, Computer Blue, the Holy Speech version? Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it sounds very much like the songs you heard live during the tour. Um, you know, they, they it, it's overemphasized. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great song, don't get me wrong. And the quality is solid. Um, there's nothing, there's no complaint. You know, that by no means is there a complaint. Um, to call that the best of the Prince bootlegs, I mean, I don't even know if it would be in my top 20. And that's not to say it's a bad song. It's a great song. But it's a it's a version of a song you already have. And to right. me, it, it doesn't belong on this disc. I, I would say this. Number one, uh, this is a song that, you know, this fits on disc three in my estimation. Um, I know that this is an unreleased song, an unreleased version, but to me that's better than some of the seven inches that you saw you, 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 you saw on the on the disc three. So again it's 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 why? What was the idea? Was this cut because the album had to be shorter, had to fit on vinyl? What what's the story behind it? But it's it's a great song, it's expanded but I don't think it in the pantheon of all of his music. I, I, I don't know. It's it, it it's just it's a very it's it's a, it's a good track. I mean, you guys have been doing one through ten. You could give it an A or an A minus or something like that. But there's so much out there, and there's so much better. Okay, I'll take that. Richard, what are your thoughts? Well, from what I heard, uh, he recorded when Doves Cry at the last minute and wanted to include it in the album so they cut the song down to the album version to fit it on the vinyl. 
Right, I heard that. that. Now, I mean, they probably could have cut the 20 minutes of uh, strings off the end of Purple Rain and maybe put the whole song Computer Blue on there. <laughs> you know, I mean, that goes on. Chris was talking about the guitar at the end of uh, Computer Blue. What about those strings at the end of Purple Rain? Does anybody ever set through those? Hey, if you want to put this on the unreleased disc, if this is an unreleased song, where's the 30-minute I Would Die For You? Yeah, there you go. Or the, put that on. Uh, you, put that on there, the and album. you would make. But you'd make the New York Times. Or if the, the goal of this, it, right? If if this was the goal, was to to make this the biggest selling thing, and to and to make people who aren't you know diehard Prince fans, if you want to make this something that other people would tune. In, if you said, remember that song, I would die for you. There is a thirty minute version on that album. Mm-hmm. Casual fans would buy it. Well, even the even the version that's on Purple Rain has uh, extra stuff in it that they cut out. Just like Take Me With You had extra stuff in it, and Dark yeah. Nikki had yep. extra music in it. They, that's what I wanted to see from a remastered Purple Rain. I wanted to see the original full cuts of the songs, including that Computer Blue, you know, all remastered and put on a, a CD together as an extended. Because I'm not even sure what the extended in the. Uh, in the set is it says remastered and extended. Nothing's really extended. They just added things. No, the album is pretty much as is. The sound is basically uh, improved or adjusted, you know, for for modern ears. But I don't think they added really anything to the proper album. And, and it's not uh, even the longest, not even the longest version of Computer Blue. There's a 14 minute. Right. And it's, it's actually I got a fairly different, you know, third part to it, you know, third uh, third half of it. Right. So, Ernie, what are your thoughts on Computer Blue, the hallway speech version? Well, um, Chris, I'm going to tell you that this, I think this is one of the uh, better outtakes as well. I agree with you on that one. Uh, and I'm going to make an argument for why it is. Um, because I think there's a lot of stuff going on in this. Uh, like I said on, on the podcast, this was a track that I have been waiting to talk about forever because we don't really dwell so much on boots over there. So um, I've been waiting to talk about this one and knowing that it was released here mostly proper, um, I, I was ecstatic. Um, my so give me a few minutes on this one here. My my history on this is I when I first heard Purple Rain. This was one of the tracks that I would kind of skip. I like the, the father song guitar part of it on, on Purple Rain on the album, but that was about it. It was a it was a means to get to Darling Nikki. To me, Darling Nikki always seemed like uh, the full song, and this was just the intro to that song. Um, and so I never thought much of it. Uh, then you know, a few years go on, and, and I started coming across bootlegs and, and these really muddy sounding versions of this song. It just sounded horrible, low generation, or yeah, low generation quality. Uh, it couldn't really make anything out. Again, uh, like with Dance Electric, I needed to hear the music to appreciate it more. So I thought, okay, well, that's cool, and I would hear the extended father song guitar in it and think, hey, that's neat. I expected this to go somewhere else, and it kept going here, and it, and it sounds better. Um, mo- you know, double guitar playing on it. Sounds like a, uh, you know, the, both guitars harmonizing, and I, I like that, and that was cool. But the rest of it, the hallway speech part of it, I couldn't hear. I couldn't understand, so it bothered me. Fast forward to 
later boots that that would be uh, like almost EP releases of this, where you got to see how it was put together from scratch and how how it was very um, bare bones. And then he started to flesh it out with another take, and it was like e- kind of like EP releases that had like six different takes of the song and uh, different versions of those that would come out. And you could see the evolution of this track and how there was a thought process that went on with this to make it happen. Um, this song, and um, I'm going to borrow heavily about what I said on, on, on Podcast Juice, it, it reminds me of uh, from Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, you have a song on there called The Trial. And The Trial is yep. basically the culmination of Pink, the character Pink Floyd's bricks in his life that have isolated him from society uh he he as a person is put on trial and all these other things his his wife his mother his school teacher all these bricks these so-called bricks come back to prosecute him and to and they put him on the stand like and and you have all these different parts that are coming in and tearing him down you're getting a tear down of, of the inner workings of this pink floyd character that's what you have going on here in Computer Blue. And it's a shame that the song was never fully released because I think it was important that it be released. This is one of his greater compositions that he put together with forethought, not unlike um, Crystal Ball, where you have things going all over the place and it seems like it would be a mess, but it's not. There is some co- co- coherent thinking going on there. And I think much more with this one because in this track here, what you have is Prince or the kid, however you want to refer to him, being broken down, you get more of a sense of it when you watch the DVD and you see this particular song in the section there where he's being judged by his misogynistic ways. And um, But you see this really told in musical format here on this track here. He says it, this, you know, the computer's on the verge of a breakdown. Prince is the computer. He is this misogynistic being that just, just takes women for granted, like the song says. And he's on the verge of a breakdown because he's having conflict within himself. And that's what you get in this song. There's conflict going on there. Um, and the, eventually he gets put on his own trial by, the, by women, by these womenly voices that are telling him that, they, you know, that, that he's nothing and that, that the way he's thinking is horrible and it's bad and this and that. And he starts to doubt it and he starts to reflect on, on how he is. And that's where you get the hallway speech coming in, breaking down all his different personas and his different personalities, fear, hate, love, lust, all these that in the form of, of metaphorical hallway doors. And um, that's what you've got going on there. Um, and in the end, you get the computer breaking down. That's why you get all this crazy guitar at the end, uh, screeching guitar. And that's where I think the, this particular version of it, there's failure in it in that the 14-minute version shows the anguish of the broken-down computer at the end with the feedback that fades in and out, in and out. And that's just basically a broken-down prince right there, a broken-down person who, who's, who's, who's just like in anguish. And that's, that's what you're getting in, in uh, musical format. Um, kind of right. reminds me of, of the second half of the song It. The second half of It, to me, always right. sounded like uh, music to, to coitus, to sex, a choreographed sex in, in musical format, ending with, with, uh, with, with a climax. 
And that's what that that sound always is. Well, he'll, he'll play, he'll paint pictures with music, and and that's what he's doing here with this one. That's why I think that this song rates so high for me, anyhow, in terms of a, yeah. a of a bootleg song or a. And I believe that it should have been on Purple Rain. For me, this is the unneutered version. It's the version that I go to now. Not no longer do I think of Computer Blue as the track that leads me into Darling Nikki, but rather the track that comes before Darling Nikki. Because this is the version that I listen to now. I don't listen to the one on the on the album proper anymore. Um, but again, there's two things that that deter me on this track. The 14 minute version is better in that it has that. Even although some people might think it's dumb that all that that feedback at the end, there's reason for it. And as I explained. And for me, it works. Then there's the one other thing that jarred the hell out of me. And I couldn't help but thinking if Prince would have been there listening to this put together, he would have gave the side eye to the engineer and said, what the hell? Or maybe not that, but hey, what's going on? What the duck? Yeah, what the duck, he would have said, at the 3.33 mark, the 3 minutes and 33 seconds. Part of the of the symbol clash or the pro, drum programming clash cuts out on the right channel. And it's jarring. You listen for it, you're going to hear it, and you're never going to be able to unhear it. Uh, it's all oh, wrong. And, I'm not going to listen for it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It, 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 now, you can always go back and, and probably, because it's, there's not nothing being sung at the 3 minute and 33 mark, so you can always go back and probably cut and paste another simple uh, splash on there, and, and it'll be fine. But the rest of the song does fine. I'm talking about the... Yeah. That part, the part, it gets cut off halfway, and it just sounds wrong. And uh, and that part, it, it bothers it bothers me as somebody who loves. To the I will listen to the whole song just to hear the drum beat over and over again. Then I'll go back to hear the same song, just to hear the the bass guitar all over yeah. again. And I'll go back and hear the same song, just to hear the snare all over again, just to get the pattern down. I will break it down OCD style. So when I hear this, oh man, it bothers me. But and this is why I want to clear myself from the Prince podcast here. Uh, originally, I told them, you know, that the score, taking all, you know, little things that to me were big, but somebody may not really notice it. I gave it a 9.9999999. And they said, no, no, it's got to be a 10. So I, okay, I'll give it a 10. So here's clarification on that. As a song itself, this song is a masterpiece. This song is a 10. As it's presented here, it's a nine because there's parts missing and you got the little blip under that. For me, it's unexcusable, but it's an awesome track and it, it's a deep, deep song that was heavily neutered. And I always hated that about when I realized that there was a longer track, a longer song and what was going on. When I came to that realization, it really bothered me to hear the, the condensed version on the soundtrack. So this one again, as a song, as a completed song, it's a ten, but as presented here, it's a nine. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. How, yeah, how was how was uh, "Take Me With You" with "Maybe I'm a Star" on the B side? How was that released, but not "Computer Blue" as a single with this song as the twelve inch? Oh, I know. Again, it was. It I mean, was. A, it, isn't that that's so frustrating? And like, and and "Love and Sex" could have been the B side for it. Yep. Whereas the B side is, it's a consummate B side because the B sides are usually regulated songs that really 
didn't have a fit in any other thing. That's why a song like She's Always in My Hair is a B-side. It doesn't quite fit with anything, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Love and Sex would have been the same way. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And Ernie, the way you just broke Computer Blue down, I mean, that's, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was just perfect. I mean, you encapsulated everything I love about that song, about the extended versions. I mean, totally. I mean, that's why it's a masterpiece. And go back, yeah, go back to, uh, with that, that thought in mind, and you're going to see that there's a, it's a very deep track. It's very deep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and that's, that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we have panelists like this on. It's such a treat. <laughs> uh, makes, makes this very, very fun to do and a privilege. What a journey we're going through on these songs, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's awesome. But, uh, I've just been informed that Seth will have to leave us shortly. So, Seth, any closing thoughts you want to give, or did you, you basically, uh, you basically said, said a lot in your intro, but any closing thoughts you'd like to give before you step out? Well, first of all, Chris, I want to just say, uh, and you can re- put this on repeat, great job with the podcast, man. I love that you're doing this, and uh, I, I, I really, really encourage all of this. Um, and it's great to meet all you guys. Uh, you know, what I said about this release and, and everything that I said about it, I stand by. I, I want it to be uh, amazing, but I, I just, I'm, I'm tired of the, um, I guess, estate, you know, pretending that there's this, this purple cloud of smoke and they can just unveil things and we're just supposed to, you know, drool over it. Um, it's different. The luster is gone. And, I think what's happened is um, the 11 tracks on disc two are fantastic. Um, I want to know where all of them came from. I want to know how they all originated. You know, what was he thinking? Why weren't they on albums? I want to know all those questions, just like anything that wasn't on, you know, an album, anything that was unreleased. Disc three just seems like it's put together. Um, I don't understand some of the seven inches. Uh, you know, if you have the 12 inches, why are you putting the seven inches? I mean, I know they're slightly different, but is that truly something that a fan craves? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I heard about the legal ramifications on why they couldn't do the second uh, DVD. Um, you know, as far as the DVD uh, that was put out, I mean, nothing changed. They didn't change the the, the, the four by three. They didn't, you know, they they made it. It's it's just a clearer version of the VHS. A VHS, by the way, that I own and and, and recently saw uh, because I was curious about how it held up. And it, it looks great, but it looks old. And I'm not saying that it wasn't old. I mean, it, it, it's from the times, but, you know, we've seen a lot of magical video editing over the years. And there's a lot of talented people, and I just would have loved to have seen you know, this blown up a little bit, maybe fill out the screen a little more, just do a little something different. But again, who am I criticizing? Is it Joe Warner Brothers? Is it the guys from Animaniacs? I, I don't know who's running the show. <laughs> I, just, I just hope that, you know, for, for whatever happens, you know, whether Universal uh, ultimately decides, uh, you know, that they don't want to be involved, 
uh, and then all of a sudden does Warner Brothers become involved? I just, I would just love one figurehead. I would love, you know, someone to run the show and, and, you know, I, I look, you guys have, you guys, we haven't all spoken since uh, his passing, but if you think there wasn't a will, you're naive as hell. And, you know, the yeah. fact of the matter is, is that, uh, the fact that he had a, a bank vault in his home and didn't have a will, you're, you're absolutely kidding yourself. And I, I think that the shame of all of this is, you know, because of greed, there's 17 cooks in the kitchen. And I don't know any of them. You know, I, I respect all people. I respect people that I don't know. But I don't know his family members. He never talked about his family. I never he was interested in his family. And I know that you guys on uh, Podcast Juice interviewed Taika, you know, years ago, and I, I found it interesting, but it wasn't like, I, didn't, I didn't run to the record store to go buy her albums. And, you know, I, I mean this with the utmost respect. I, I just, I want Prince fans to be happy. I want them to find some kind of pleasure, because the guy had gobs and gobs of music still that we haven't heard. And I think that that's a really exciting thing. And I don't blame people for looking for bootlegs when, you know, there's no guarantee that, that they, they, it's ever going to come out. My last point is about the websites. You know, Sam Jennings is a guy who, you know, put together that Prince Online Museum, did a fantastic job, and then immediately took it down. And the thought was, well, they're trying to, you know, get things right with the estate, do you think the estate has any interest in making sure the Prince Online Museum gets put back online? Not a, not a chance. And it's literally, it's like a rudderless ship, and every cruise has a captain. And even Captain Steubing had a plan. And I just think that there's, it's just rudderless. I did an Animaniacs and a Love Boat reference in one comment. Um, and I, I just think that that's where the source of controversy comes from. And I just think that's an interesting aspect, you know, to, to go by because, you know, while, you know, we can sit here and gush about his music, the fact of the matter is, is that there's something out there for, for everybody, every genre, every everything. And, 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 you know, music today doesn't happen like that. It's just, it's, 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 it's amazing and frustrating at the same time. And, you know, the way I've looked at his music since he died, it's all pieces of a puzzle. And what this Purple Rain Deluxe is, it's, it's a major piece of the puzzle, but the puzzle still exists, and it's by no means completed. Okay, well, you've given us a lot to think about. And on that note, I'm out of here. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for uh, participating as much as you did. And uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, you really saved my bacon right there at the last minute. So thank you so much for joining us. Set up Everett, everybody. Anytime, man. Thanks. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'd love to do this again. It's a pleasure to meet all you guys, and I would love to do this with a little bit more notice. And I can promise, I can, <laughs> I can you, hang you, with you guys. You, Just you taught me you one on thing. You, you taught me one thing, Seth. If you do four podcasts in one day, you start talking about Captain Stooping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe time. Yeah. To, maybe and maybe, be- maybe time to go, be- maybe time to go lay down. <laughs> Well, the best thing about it is I don't have to edit for a podcast. I only have to go on. So <laughs> the editing yeah. is the much harder part. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, guys. Exactly. All right, Seth. Thanks, man.